thank you first of all for uh, having me join this uh, uh, wonderful event. I'm really honored to be among um, special and uh, scholars on Ibn Arabi and with a special audience as well. Um, and thank, I really thank the Society of Ibn Arabi for giving me this chance at a very difficult time uh, uh, in our uh, history in Libya to, to reflect on this question, the legacy of Ibn Arabi. And uh, I really, so I will, what would I share today will be my thoughts uh, for a person um, who was and still is a student uh, studying Ibn Arabi and at the same time an advocate for peace uh, in my own country, uh, part of the peace negotiations. I will be flying two days from today to the peace negotiations and hopefully they will be successful. Um, I'm also... Um, from the city of Benghazi in Libya, which you know only from the hearings and uh, <laughs> of Clinton. So um, it's very difficult times. And uh, so uh, what I will be sharing is my thoughts on the question of peace from my experience, uh, and especially after uh, losing loved ones. My friend last year was assassinated. So the question of justice, peace, all uh, we're trying to look into it in light of Ibn Arabi's uh, metaphysics of uh, compassion and mercy. Rahma. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalam ala ashraf al-mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wal anbiya'i ajma'in. Assalam alaykum wa rahmatuhu wa barakatuh. In the very uh, uh, the the peace uh, message that we always say to each other and we take it for granted, peace is linked to mercy, rahma, and to blessings. I will start with uh, three uh, Quranic verses on peace. Salamun qawlan Rabbil Rahim. Peace is the word of the all-merciful God, Rahim. Lahum dar salam inda rabbihim. For them is the abode of peace with their Lord. They will be their, their protecting friend. La yisma'una fiha lahuan illa salama. They will not there hear any vain discourse, but only salutation of peace. In an incident in the Sira, it's uh, and, it, and it's very subtle, uh, where uh, Gabriel came to Muhammad and told Muhammad. Read to Khadija, his wife, his first wife, the, the first believer in Islam. Read to Khadija as-salam. 
إن فقل لها إن ربك يقرئك السلام وقرئها مني السلام convey to Khadija peace and and from her Lord and convey peace from me so he went to Khadija and told her that Gabriel is conveying peace from your Lord and peace from him Khadija and it, it, it answers back and it, her answers shows her very profound understanding of metaphysical terms that we will be uh, discussing today. She said, Allah as-salam wa min Allah as-salam wa ala Jibreel as-salam. She said, Allah is peace. Peace is from Allah and upon Gabriel is peace. Also, after prayers, Muslims say, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta wa ta'alayta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. It says, O God, you are peace itself, and from you comes all peace. Blessed and exalted, blessed and exalted are you who are all majesty and infinite good. Dhul Jalali wal Ikram, all majesty and infinite good. And it's on the divine duality I will start my talk. Peace, as we've seen throughout these uh, Quranic verses and ahadith, is in is once used as a word uh, or an action as a place as a mode and sometimes as a name for God and so And so this takes us back to, to, to God, God's divine reality and, uh, and divinity and divine unity and duality. But how do we see peace precisely and specifically relating to God and the testimony of faith? Peace, as salam is also, as I've mentioned earlier, is the name of God. The Quran uses the name once. He is God. There is no God but He. He is the King, holy, peace, faithful, preserver, mighty, compeller, sublime, glory be to the above everything they associate with Him. He is God the creator, the maker, the form giver, to him belong names most beautiful, all that in the heavens and earth glorifies him. He is mighty wise. As Chittik remarks here, 
These few sentences epitomize Islamic theology. More specifically, they express two, uh, two ideas about God, incomparability and similarity, tashbih or tanzih, or, if you like, transcendence and imminence. Peace fits into the category of negative divine names, which asserts God's incomparability. It signifies that God is free from and infinitely exalted above all defects and imperfection because these are attributes of the creatures and not of the creator. In himself, God knows no conflict, no hostility, no opposition. All conflict is intrinsic to all that is other than God. But what is then the source and origin of conflict and opposition. Muslim theologians, Kalam, Kalam, answer was all derived from God and specifically from his divine names. And so they class, they've classified the names of God according to many different schemes. Sometimes they classify them into names pertaining to God's essence and those pertaining to the attributes and those pertaining to acts. Another way of classification is divine names to be divided into two categories known as names of mercy and wrath or gentleness and severity or beauty and majesty or bounty and justice. And these, uh, these categorization again uh, brings the issue of resemblance and uh, incompatibility, They recognize that though that both sides are essential to existence and neither side can be completely separated from the other. Beauty has its majesty and majesty has its beauty. Wrath is certainly merciful, while mercy often includes dimension of wrath. A smaller mercy prevents a greater mercy later, as they say. So although God in himself is one, he assumes a variety of modes and relationships with his creatures and hence manifests a diversity of divine names and attributes at once, which may seem that they are in a, in a certain uh, state of disequilibrium, of the divine names, yet they coexist in perfect harmony and equilibrium, since all are no different from his being. And that's why we say that God is both merciful and wrathful. However, we are struck by a hadith Qudsi, which says, my mercy takes precedence over my wrath. And another Quranic verse, my mercy encompasses all things. And in another Quranic verse, thy Lord has prescribed for himself mercy. These Quranic verses and a hadith Qudsi makes us wonder whether these divine attributes are on an equal level. So mercy apparently is not on an equal 
uh, is not an equal attribute to wrath. It's rather divine reality itself. And here comes Ibn Arabi for Ibn Arabi. And this is where uh, uh, I, I answer the question of peace. For Ibn Arabi, peace is the fruit of uh, uh, peace, um, uh, my, uh, my answer would be peace is the fruit of the conception of mercy according to Ibn Arabi, which is inherent in the encompassing totality of divine self with its complicated diversity of divine qualities. Divine qualities of anger manifested in justice are not denied as they are seen uh, as imperfections uh, as consequences of human sin, which are manifestations of imperfection and opposition to perfect peace. However, these uh, 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 divine qualities uh, of wrath and justice are seen as limited and relative, and thus they cannot be placed on the same level as those who are intrinsically tied with the absolute as mercy. And I will be reading uh, passages uh, from Ibn Arabi uh, on different levels, uh, uh, some of them on the ontological level, on the divine duality itself, others on uh, the uh, lower mercy as, uh, in a lower level, and uh, mercy in the hereafter. To see how he he uh, he made the balance, or not the balance, how, because the theme of predominance was of mercy was evidently clear. And here he, uh, he, he he's uh, quite different, and we might discuss this uh, in further detail in the workshop uh, from the Kalami school, both the Mu'tazilis and the Ash'arites. As the Ash'arai, uh, he was very uh, clear in his criticism of the Mu'tazili school. However, uh, the, uh, one cannot trace that much of differences uh, and criticism of the Ash'arai school, yet one can notice a clear difference between his take and the Ash'arite school, as the Ash'arite school would uh, stress the will of God, and it would sound like an arbitrary, dogmatic uh, uh, choice, not uh, something, as Ibn Arabi puts it, uh, uh, based on the question of uh, uh, mercy, that is, he sees as uh, uh, an ontological, metaphysical priority over other divine qualities. And so, uh, again, a recurrent theme in Ibn Arabi's writings is mercy predominance over wrath. He sees it as expressed clearly by the Quranic verse in which God says, my mercy um, uh, encompasses all. He often reminds us that the Quran never says anything remotely similar about wrath or severity or, rev uh, or revenge. He talks over and over that everything will find its final uh, resting place with mercy because mercy is real and everything else is unreal. And here, uh, 
uh, it is interesting to see how Ibn Arabi equates the, quest, uh, the, the, uh, the theme of Rahma, uh, mercy, with wujud, being. Uh, and so, uh, the, and so again, uh, um, uh, as soon as we consider the notion in terms of tawheed, it becomes clear that there is no wujud but God's wujud, no true being but the being of the real. One way as well to understand the sense of the uh, what Ibn Arabi means by rahma is understanding the Arabic word of Rahma and to see uh, 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 and to look into its variations as well. Uh, Rahma is an abstract noun designating the qualities and the characteristics of the concrete noun Rahim, Rahm, womb. Rahma signifies as well the traits associated with the womb and the mother the mother never ceases being her children's uh, womb, and the specific type of love that she has for the fruit of her womb is analogous to the mercy that uh, uh, that of the All Merciful has for his creation. And this is where Ibn Arabi uh, quotes the uh, the prophetic hadith that God has divided mercy into 100 parts and kept 99 parts for himself. He gave the remaining part to mothers, both human and animal. And this rahmah derives them to care for their young. After the resurrection, God will reunite the one part with the 99 parts. It's also uh, interesting how Ibn Arabi, uh, uh, his take on uh, how Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim are both linked with the, with the, with the divine name Allah. In, uh, in Al-Futuhat, Ibn Arabi uh, presents the one name as subsisting in threefold mode, although the name Allah encompasses, this is Ibn Arabi, although the name Allah encompasses severity, it also encompasses mercy. The names of severity, uh, which the name Allah consists of, and thus uh, counterbalanced one by one by the names of mercy, forgiveness, release. Which is contain, which it contains within itself. He has configured mercy threefold as the one manifest mercy in the name Allah, Ar Rahman, Ar Rahim. The passage as well suggests that the name Allah pertains to severity, and that this name also encompasses mercy by virtue of the two merciful names, Ar-Rahman and Rahim, which always, in heads of all uh, chapters in the Qur'an, it, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's tied to and it's always inseparable uh, to them. Due to his great and absolute mercy, Allah called himself the All-Merciful Ar-Rahman, one of the greatest of his most beautiful names, and also Ar-Rahim, the ever-merciful, and as a result, 
when Allah created the throne and the universe which encompasses, he seated himself on it by virtue of this particular aspect of his name, Al, uh, the All-Merciful, Ar-Rahman. Ibn Arabi then moves to a, uh, to a discussion between the difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, the All-Merciful and the All-Compassionate. Uh, is not very clear, and these the differences are not very clean, and these are normally translated in different ways, such as the Compassionate, the Gracious, uh, but Ibn Arabi says that the mercy of the All-Merciful, Ar-Rahim, is pure mercy, whereas the mercy of the Merciful, Ar-Rahman, may incorporate some suffering and pain, just like the medicine that may have a bitter taste, but brings benefit to the one who takes it as to cure some disease. And so here, he sees Ar-Rahman, and uh, this is why in other places in Futuhat, uh, uh, Ibn Arabi goes back to the to Hadith, which says that you can say Allah or say Ar-Rahman, whatever you, you call him. So he thinks that uh, the way he interprets it, that Ar-Rahman is an equivalent to the name uh, uh, Allah. So it encompasses many things. And this is why, for this explanation, that the, this interpretation that the Rahman, it's not like Rahim, Rahman, it encompasses in it, uh, incorporates in it some pain and suffering. Ibn Arabi goes on to say that mercy may also incorporate mer uh, pain and suffering for the one who is experiencing it but is unable to fulfill it and pass it on to the one who deserves it because something might be preventing him from doing that at the time. Later, he is able to pass this mercy on uh, onto the person who needs it. It will then also be a mercy to himself when the pain he felt due to this inability to conduct his mercy has passed. And this, Ibn Arabi says, is very strange case where, uh, whereby mercy may cause suffering to the person who has it. He then adds that what is even more strange is the case when a personal reason uh, may prevent the one who has the mercy from fulfilling it, although he may be able to do so. For example, when a doctor has to operate on an, any part of the, his patient... It's he, 7 o'clock. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, when a doctor has to operate on any part of his patient, he does, not, he does so out of his mercy towards him, but sometimes he cannot perform the operation because he may not have the right tools or medicine at that time. So the doctor is distressed by his inability to relieve the suffering of his patient, just as he also feels pain when he does what he has to do by means of such a painful operation that he knows is necessary for well-being of the patient. In such circumstances, Ibn Arabi adds 
Allah says in the Hadith Al-Qudsi, I never hesitate doing anything so much as I do when I collect the soul of my believing servant. I do not like to I do not like to hurt him. I know that he does not like to die, but he has to meet me. And now mercy on another level. Uh, Ibn Arabi uses uh, uh, talks about uh, on another level uh, in another hadith of uh, Prophet Muhammad said that Allah created the heavens and earth he created a hundred mercies one of these he sent down to the earth and it is through his this mercy that the mother shows affection to her child and even beasts and birds show uh, kindness to one another it is also by means of this same mercy that Allah created the creation and provided them whether they are believers or non-believers with all means of subsistence and once again through this same uh, mercy the animals take care of their offspring and people take care of themselves and look after each other in fact our very existence is a mercy from Allah as Ibn Arabi uh, say for this reason Ibn Arabi affirms that there is no real evil in the world but that evil is a lack of complete goodness in real existence there is no, only the real who is Allah who is constant manifestation in different forms so there is in fact no ontologically self-subsistent evil and what we perceive as evil is in reality the absence of good just as darkness is the absence of light on another interesting level uh, and it, it interested me in particular uh, when he differentiates between rahma al-tabi'iyya natural compassion and conferred compassion and uh, I'm, I will be reading this passage that is related to the human being at the human level and particularly to one can say his theory of the socio-political level order in the compassionate human being there are two types of rahma this is ibn arabi natural compassion rahma tabi'iyya and grace conferred by allah rahma muda in uh, ibn arabi establishes this distinction in this passage that i will be reading whoever from among us truly actualizes compassion rahim possesses two kinds of grace rahma natural rahma rahma tabi'iyya required by his temperament which is personal and that which is disposed in him by god who created him according to the adamic form in his form the intercession of the intersect uh, the intercessors takes place in fact through natural compassion not through conferred compassion rahma muda divine conferred compassion rahma muda is accompanied in the servant 
by remoteness, izza, and authority, sultan. And it is not linked to emotional pity. While the feeling of pity does result from the natural compassion. Conferred compassion only manifests in fact in those charged with the exercise of governorship. Khilafa. Khulafa, who are khulafa. Nothing to do with, uh, with ISIS, of course. Have you not observed that whoever sees how the caliph punishes, oppresses, and harasses, harasses people who have been accused feels sympathy and pity for those accused and punished and says, this governor has no compassion. If I were in his place, I would have pity on them. The fact that the fact is that if the speaker really were in his position, God would veil him and remove him from natural compassion, which produces pity, conferring on him in its place the compassion which is accompanied by emotional distance, izza, and civil responsibility or authority, sultan, so that he could govern and be compassionate with the necessary conscious determination without being carried away by the emotion of pity. Judging by this passage, Ibn Arabi thinks that occasional severity by rulers in the application of justice forms part forms part of divine plan so that although it may be uh, it may, it may look uh, it, it may look like its natural sensibility this firmness in punishment is one of the forms adopted by the divine compassion deposited in man the conferred compassion ar-rahma al-muda can be compared to the compassion exemplified by khidr in the Quranic story of his meeting with Moses. That is, the, the, the whole wisdom is not clear. I would conclude with another passage, a smaller passage from Ibn Arabi, to bring it back to our theme of uh, peace and to actually to, to, to circle, to finish, uh, to end up the circle, to encircle the circle, or whatever you say. And this will be uh, Ibn Arabi sa uh, says that in the final destination there will only be mercy because the actual situation inspires a circle. The end of the circle curves back to the beginning and joins it. The end has the property of the beginning. And that is nothing but being. Mercy takes precedence over wrath because the beginning was through mercy. Wrath is an accident and accidents disappear. Thank you.